and I actually was um, had just finished the healing group that I went through. And she said, "Can I share your story?" And we had had we were getting ready to have a women's conference that spring, so I agreed. And she videotaped my story, and we it was called the My Story Conference. So 300 women heard my story on video, and. It's really amazing. Mom and I, the ministry we lead now is called the Restore Ministry, but three of our main leaders were in that audience that heard my story for the first time. So it, it, when you hear someone, it's just, it's that, um, it's that empathy. It's that, because somebody can empathize with you. It's that level of compassion. You know, the world looks at abortion like, um, I mean, for, for a woman who's had an abortion, you hear the pro-life stance and you hear the pro-choice stance. You don't hear the middle stance. There have been over 60 million abortions since legalization, which means about 50 million women. Where are those voices? You know, and so it's, but it's that when you connect with somebody that understands, it gives you just that level of compassion to be, okay, I can, I can tell. You're listening to episode 93 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. Today I'm chatting with my great friend Stacy Reeves. She's being brave. She's sharing her story of abortion and how God has led her through restoration. And she and her mom now have a ministry where they're leading other women through the journey of healing. And I'm so thankful for her. She's over at IamRestored.net. All the links are over in the show notes at GodCenterMom.com. But you know, even if this story doesn't resonate with your own as Stacy tells us, one in three women have had abortions. These are your friends, your family, the moms on the sidelines at the soccer game. May we all guide each other to forgiveness and knowing who Jesus says we are. Stacy has some great words for us. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Stacy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hi, Heather. It's great to be here. It's super fun. Okay, y'all. So Stacy and I, way back, right? We go way back. That's right. <laughs> You're aging us. We're oh, aging no. us. Yeah. Okay. So my my first job, I stalked Stacy to get a connection because I was living in Chicago and I knew we were moving to Dallas. And so I found <laughs> her at this random convention and I was like, y'all are from Dallas, right? Like, give me this a job. Is, <laughs> this is true. You were a stalker. I was a I stalker. I stalked you first. Yeah. <laughs> and um, ended up working there and got to know these awesome Christian women and eat our lunches together and hang out and start having babies at the same time. And it's been good stuff and um, got to know each other's stories and walk through a lot of life together. And so I wanted to have Stacy on because um, I just really love what she's doing, the ministry she's involved in, how she's using what God's done in her life to bring freedom to others. And so um, Stacy, why don't you first introduce everybody to your family? To my family. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have um, three kiddos, and my oldest is 10. Um, uh, Annika is her name. And then I have a gap. Um, I have Abram. He is four. And Evelyn, uh, the sweet surprise, is two. So fun. And, yeah, so fun. And y'all live local to me, and um, well, kind of far enough that we don't see each other ever. But this is true. <laughs> This is true. It's a problem. It's a problem. It's a problem. But, um, okay, I just really want to get into your story. Like, just hit it. So where do you want to start? You start us. Well, yeah, let's just, um, you know, it's interesting because, Heather, you brought brought up how we knew each other so well and we worked together and how intimate our friendship was. But it really wasn't until um, 
later and yeah. after we were not working together that I actually even shared my story with you. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and that just kind of, um, is kind of really needs to be kind of laid out because does the topic that we, I'm going to talk about today is something that we just don't talk about yeah. very often. Yeah. And so my story really, uh, begins when I was, um, 16 years old. I, um, you know, I was raised in the Midwest, had awesome, loving parents. I thought I had just this typical childhood and, um, Actually, my mom was um, emotionally uh, absent mm. during those early teenage years, and my dad was really busy. Mm. Um, he was a superintendent of schools in our tiny town where we lived, and so he was in the public eye. And um, we had moved towns uh, my freshman year of high school, and I was at a place where I was very vulnerable, and um, looking back now, I was lonely. Mm. And an innocent relationship with a boyfriend turned sexual pretty quickly. Mm. And um, the next thing I knew, I was 16 years old and pregnant. Mm. And um, my mom and I, while while I say she was emotionally absent, she knew me very well, and she picked up on all the signs and and came to me and said, "You know, are you pregnant?" And I didn't actually know that I was, but um, quickly. We went into panic mode and how do we fix this? And not knowing at the time um, what my mom was actually going through was some depression and um, emotional pain of her own. When I was five years old, she had had an abortion. Mm. And she, at that time when I got pregnant, she, she told me her story. Hers was a little bit different than what most of the world experiences, but she was actually medically advised but nonetheless, the the aftermath of her abortion led her, there it was 20 years later, um, a mess, or 15 years later, just a mess. And so, but having had that experience herself, she actually didn't know her emotional pain was related to her abortion. Mm-hmm. She thought, oh, I did this. I'm fine. You can do it too. Mm-hmm. And so I actually told her, I said, if you don't help me, I'm going to take care of this on my own. And she did. She... Um, we made the appointment a couple weeks after we had found out that I was pregnant. And in our minds, it was a, a um, solution. Uh, having an abortion was a solution to this problem that I believed I had bought, brought on myself. Mm. And I didn't even one time think that I was killing a baby. Mm. Never once. It was a complete fear-based response. I was afraid um, that being a teenager pregnant would bring shame to my family. Mm. I was afraid that people finding out that the superintendent's daughter being sexually active would bring shame to our family. Mm. But that was my motivator to to fix this problem. Mm. And but it wasn't in my family we we went through with it. Um we thought everything was fine, but we vowed to never ever speak about it ever. Mm. And so you pile um secrecy and silence and on top of a decision like that, that, you know, was already wrong, the levels of shame just go, go so deep. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't set until seven years later, uh, actually God introduced me to my husband and he, he was the saving grace in my life that, um, he, God used him to share Jesus with me, my family. We were raised up knowing about God, but we didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, after meeting Jonathan, that that's my husband, he shared with me the truth about Christ. And that was the very first time I felt forgiven for mm. that choice that I had made to have, have an abortion. And 
while I didn't have freedom, I knew I was forgiven. So I had the head knowledge that I was. And that was that was the beginning piece for me. Mm. But it wasn't until about four years later. And and really it's very interesting. After becoming a Christian, I tell people it's like before when you're not saved, it's like you're a you're a pig walling around in the mud, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it just doesn't doesn't feel bad. It's fine, it just is what it is. But after you become a believer, you're like the lamb rolling around in the mud. And then that that mud just starts to that sin it gets thicker and heavier and it layers and I actually got to the point where I felt like I was I was suffocating mm-hmm. as a believer. Yeah. Because it's like I couldn't break there was so much bondage attached to the root uh, to the abortion issue, so much bondage in my life and so many layers yeah. that I couldn't, it was too much. Mm-hmm. And so I actually fell into depression. Mm-hmm. At this time, um, my daughter was three years old. So here I am not being the mother that she need, needed me to be. Uh, so it's so a depression. I had, honestly, I had thoughts of suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, thought the world would be a better place if I just wasn't here. Mm-hmm. The anger I felt was so, um, I was angry all the time. And I was angry. It was very much a displaced anger because people that I was angry at really didn't do anything wrong. Mm. (laughs) But I really, the root of the anger was myself. Mm. And I didn't know that then. And and from the outside, from a friend, you were doing it all right. You were achieving. You were president of things. You were, your house was always perfect. You always were perfect. Your clothes were always perfect. The fake. I'm so glad you said that. The fake Mm -hmm. self. Is, mm-hmm. is what I, I just saw this great video from Bentry Bible that all put up oh, yeah. the fake self that was hiding all mm-hmm. the, all those layers mm-hmm. to the true self. That's right. We that's right. Yeah. We call that masking. Yeah. And I had masking down to a T. Yeah. You know, I I, I definitely know how knew how to pull it off. Mm. And um and and actually I learned that after after I had um, my abortion when I was sixteen. I actually was right before my senior year. And I was on track to to play softball in college. That was another motivator. You yeah. know, I wouldn't, you know, so I I decided that I was going to set out and achieve everything I could, that I had to be perfect to the point that mediocrity, a B, you know, missing a class, I mean, that was failure in my mm. mind. There was no middle ground at all. So exactly what you saw was this, I've I've basically vowed over myself that I have to make up for this choice that I made. Like there was this one perfect. failure that I'm feeling shame about. Yeah. So I can never have any more. Right. Never have any more. And I can never really have any fun because I don't deserve mm. fun. Mm. Wow. So yeah. my, yeah, my college yeah. experience, you know, my husband marries me, thinks everything's going to be all great. Right. Or, you know, that whole, that's that love, um, um, the newness of a, of a marriage where you're supposed to, that went away so fast. He's like, what in the world? Mm. Which, which is a point to make. He wasn't equipped to help me. Yeah. And, and that's not his fault. Yeah. You know, I didn't know that then. Um, but, but just another piece that abortion affects the whole family. Yeah. I mean, our whole family was affected. My immediate family by the choice I made, you know, years and years and years ago. But, but as God would have it. So when Annika, I hit that dark spot, um, when my daughter was about three years old, we joined a new church and I met a lady who invited me for coffee. And you know how that sometimes you just feel drawn to somebody? Yeah. I had that feeling and I thought, I'm just going to go meet her for coffee. Well, sure enough, she's trying to sell me Mary Kay. <laughs> but mm. over over that appointment with her, I shared my story. And what do you know? She said, you won't believe this. I've had three abortions and I'm getting ready to start or to join a post-abortive Bible study 
you're supposed to do this with me. I know that's why God connected us. Wow. Well, that was the first big, I mean, that was a big pivotal point in my life. So after that, I, I did do this study. Now I went kicking and screaming because if you know, you, most people don't associate. I didn't know the anger was re- related to that. I didn't know the depression was related to that. I just knew I was insecure, full of shame and self-hate. Mm. That's it. So after going through the study and our, the group I did was actually 12 weeks long. I mean, I entered like dark and there was a, I mean, a light switch went off and I was completely changed person. Mm-hmm. Now, now, um, to say that everything was perfect in my life, no, but the shame was lifted. I gained a relationship with my child in heaven mm-hmm. that I never even realized was a child. Mm-hmm. You know, God really took, you know, the verse in Jeremiah where he takes our, um, our sorrow and he turned our mourning into dancing yes. and our joy into sorrow. That's sorrow my screenshot right now. That's my screenshot. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 Well, he that, does. I mean, that, that really happened. And so that was, that was huge. Mm. And I, I can't fail to say at the same time, we're actually about, well, probably within the year, everything happened really fast, but my mom was still back in the Midwest. I actually had moved to Dallas by this time, but my mom was, had actually gone through her own healing journey mm. and God like audibly spoke to her. Someday you and Stacy are going to do something together. So she had been praying and praying for me that I would have this same breakthrough and freedom that she had had. And then, um, but it's something that of, you had said earlier that was off topic. Like you okay. guys don't talk about, right? Right. We hadn't talked about it. We still okay. hadn't talked about okay. it. Mm-mm. She knew. Mom knew that. Okay. Mom went through her study. And she got such freedom and she had, she carried a lot of guilt um, Mm. for mine. She actually carried a ton of guilt. She believes she's almost solely responsible, which we know that's not, not the truth. But that's the lie she was believing about. But that's the lie she was believing. She actually confronted me and we talked about it after hers. And Mm. she said, I think you need to, to go through something like this. And then that was over a course of like six months by the time I actually got into a group. And, Mm. but then once I got finished, um, I'm like, mom. I mean, I was so changed. It was like, it was just live, wanted to live out, you know, Revelations 12, 11, That is by my testimony that nobody has to go through this, yeah. you know, yeah. if we can just share our story, mm. you know. And, and I look back the course of, it was really a course of 11 years from being free. So I had my abortion when I was 16 and then 11 years until I took my, my, the program. That, that's a lot of time. And that's a lot of opportunity for, you know, negative patterns to take place and strongholds. And, and I'm still, still, I'm still on a journey, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's still not perfect, but, but I, but fast forwarding a little bit, mom and dad were able to move here. My dad retired. And in 2010, we hooked up and started volunteering at our local pregnancy resource center. And they did not have a post-abortive uh, program for women that would come in that needed recovery mm. or, or anybody that wanted to volunteer. You can't volunteer typically at a crisis pregnancy center. And if you've had an abortion, not have had some kind of um, go, gone through some kind of healing program. Mm. So we, we started that up here in the Rockwall Rowlett area. That's actually where I am. But um, short, it wasn't long after that that God started putting um, big vision in our hearts. And uh, mom had been sent off for training. So she, she got trained by one of the um, – oh, we use a curriculum. And the lady actually wrote the curriculum, did the training that she was a part of. What's and the name of the so curriculum, it, just so in it, case? We, yeah, we use Surrendering the Secret. Surrendering the Secret. Okay. 
Surrendering Their Secret. I'll the put author a link is, to it in the show notes in case yeah, that's somebody good. wants to find it. The author is Pat Layton. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And, and, uh, so she went to training with that. She went to training okay. 2010. We just started doing Bible studies in my mom's house and awesome. just, just the two of us. It was, we always keep, it's very confidential. It's very private. We don't tell, you know, where it is, what time it's starting because for a woman to, to admit that she's had an abortion and then to show up and put a face to the, you know, it's a big deal. So mm-hmm. we, they were very confidential. So how but would someone just, find out then? Like, how would they how even would know? Well, it was through the pregnancy center. They would hear, hear about it or I would tell my story and somebody, um, actually I, I probably need to share this. I happened to be at, I had mentioned that I joined a new church. Well, I was part of, part of a Bethmore Bible study and I can't remember actually the name of the Bible study right now, but it was in the middle of that study. I went to my pastor, my associate pastor's wife, who is a friend of mine. And I said, I got to tell you something. And I actually was, um, had just finished the healing group that I went through. And she said, can I share your story? And we had had, we were getting ready to have a women's conference that spring. So I agreed and she videotaped my story and we, it was called the, my story conference. So 300 women heard my story on video and it's really amazing. Mom and I, the ministry we lead now is called the restore ministry, but three of our main leaders were in that audience that heard my story for the first time. Wow. So it, it, when you hear someone, it's just, it's that, um, it's that empathy. It's that because somebody can empathize with you. It's that level of compassion. You know, the world looks at abortion like, um, I mean, for, for a woman who's had an abortion, you hear the pro-life stance and you hear the pro-choice stance. You don't hear the middle stance. There have been over 60 million abortions since legalization, which means about 50 million women. Mm. Where are those voices? Mm. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so it's, but it's that when you connect with somebody that understands, it yeah. gives you just that level of compassion to be, okay, I can, I can, I can be yeah. brave too. I can be I can brave, brave too. too. Yeah, exactly. I can be courageous. That's yeah. right. And it is. I mean, we, I say that the women we work with are some of the most courageous women I've ever met. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause it's terrifying to tell. So because, so, because so, Satan, he, he like loves the dark places. Oh, he yeah. loves to feed off the one who's like, and so much that's shame, right. whatever. The, I mean, it could be an eating disorder. It could Any, be abortion. Right. It could be a sexual abuse. It could be a physical abuse. It could be um, gossip. It could be that's an right. anger issue, whatever it is. If it's that's kept right. silent, he that's right. feeds off that. And that's actually what that conference did, that My Story conference. Once I told her story, other uh, or I told my story in that Bible study, yeah. other women were speaking out about their story. It just gave them that. It wasn't me. You know, it was all God. But it was that time where somebody told about a rape. Somebody told about sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And it's. You know, and that's what our society, we, you know, I really like, I don't know, Heather, if you know, heard of Brene Brown. Oh, I love her. Love her. Love her. Well, I love what she talks about when she talks about living in an empathic, a non-empathic society, because that's really what we've become. So you feel like you have to wear that mask Mm -hmm. because it's not safe. Mm -hmm. You have to keep the fake self. Whatever presentation on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is the fake. Yeah. Because... You know, in that video that I'm going to put up, it says, you know, in our true self, as Christians, our identity is in Christ, right? Right, right. But we also have our failings and our wounds Mm -hmm. inside that circle. Mm -hmm. And if those are never dealt with, we keep pretending and keeping— That's right. Keeping the—and then the layers are how much hurt, how much shame are you trying to hide. Yeah. It's a good thing you brought up wounds because what wounds do, wounds hurt us emotionally. And then Mm -hmm. once we have an emotional wound, we build a belief based on that— that that emotional feeling that we have Mm -hmm. so a belief about ourselves that belief if it doesn't line up with the word of god then it becomes a lie Mm -hmm. so then we're living around with lie-based thinking 
Yes. So how can we ever be free? Yes. So, and, and, you know, and what I, what we talk to women about now is until you change, you get to the root of those lies and to know, no, not in your head, but in your heart, who God says you are and, and, and what he, what freedom really means living the way that he has designed and created us to be not who we've become, but who he created us to be. So that's, that's where that freedom, you know. So you guys start these Bible studies in your home. They're not like they're secretive like they're yeah, you know yeah yeah so that was 2010 so, so how many in our group at a time like f- like well, five or well real quick let me back up so okay. no yeah five five or six okay. we had a group with 10 before but really you just lose the intimacy yeah um you know there's a lot of talking that needs to be done yeah but so 2013 um we became our own nonprofit because wow. we wanted to, we realized that the need was bigger than just for us in our hearts more than just bible studies but building awareness and speaking and educating and um, staying connected, um, you know, while we claim to not be pro, um, or we claim to not be political, of course we're pro-life, but we're not a political organization. One of the, um, we do partner with an association called Operation Outcry. Mm -hmm. And this gentleman who, he's an attorney, but he believes that if we can get a million declarations, a million women speaking out that saying abortion hurt me, that that's what it's going to take to get to the Supreme Court to reverse the Roe versus Wade. The voices of women. The voices of women. And so we are partnering with that. So, you know, it's our heart to, you may have not gone through our ministry or our Bible study or, but, but we can all, we're all in this together. And it's a network of women who need to, we need to bind together and we need to be a voice. Our voice is going to be louder if we're a mini. So. Mm, I'm just picturing, I'm just picturing all these women like alone and hurting and sad. I'm so well, you know, Jer- Jeremiah talks about, um, you know, when it's talking about rebuilding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, Jerusalem. Talk, well, R- Jerusalem. Yeah. Well, you know, cities are destroyed by the, ma- the I mean, there are, there are over 60 million, you know, babies in, in heaven. And those are cities. But think about women's lives. Mm. You know, women here. And my, my mom, when she, she gives her story, she says that she said there was a pivotal point when she heard God said, while I did give life, I, I came so that you would have life too. Mm. And she said, you need to start living mm. the life that I've created for you. Mm. And so we, we get stuck in what we've done to our child, especially once you've had that revelation that it was a child, that you, that you don't become the person who God created you to be. And you still have time left. He still has a purpose and a plan, a specific plan for your life. And until we're whole, we can't possibly be who he wants us to be. And you so. have your three children here that need you living yeah, that's right. fully. That's right. and, and, and your husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And them mm-hmm. seeing that you took your pain and you didn't waste it, that you're yeah. turning it around to help other other women. So you have this on for profit. Um, are yeah. you still leading groups? We are still leading groups. We have we have over uh, about over 150 women have gone through our Bible studies. Wow. We have leader trainings. We have about 20 active leaders leading wow. now when say actively leading at the same time. But if there's a need, we, we pitch it to our team and we say, um, anybody, can anybody lead a group? We've got two ladies. And then we always team women up. So nobody leads by themselves. And usually it's kind of a, uh, a training program, also a mentor program. So there's a new leader trained with a seasoned leader. And, you know, we're, we still struggle with filling our groups and we have more leaders willing to lead than ladies in the groups. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. (laughs) We, you know, because, uh, when we, and we have some churches, the churches that, um, that our ladies are affiliated with often will let them share their story, particularly maybe at a women's luncheon or, 
uh, maybe not not from the stage on Sunday morning, but it's still difficult. We still have churches that just don't, it's just so hard to go there. It's so yeah. hard to talk about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's like when you talk about forgiveness and you talk about you have been wronged by someone and you forgive them, but it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're saying what they did was okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we need to like recognize with yeah. anything. God yeah. has forgiven everything. Even if he doesn't, he wants what's best for you. He knows it wasn't best for you, but he forgave you for it. And like you said, he wants you to live. And as a church, if we can Mm -hmm. take a stand that there's not a ranking of choices, let our Mm -mm. one is not worse than the other. I think that I literally had a conversation with someone where they were ranking sin. And I was like, Mm -hmm. they were showing me the Westminster Catechism. I'm sorry if somebody listening right now is like, hasn't memorized, (laughs) but I... I don't think Christ died with a ranking of sin on his heart. Like, I think he viewed it mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. and he put grace over it all equally. All. Absolutely. And Absolutely. there's no like ranking of grace and there's mm-hmm. no ranking of sin. And so, if the church treats something as worse than another and how we even talk about it, mm-hmm. I, 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 that's, that's right. really a, str- I mean, it's a struggle. And so, and I think there's probably just a trick of they don't want to say the wrong thing, probably. Do you think, I think so. on this topic? I think that's a big thing. Yeah. yeah. At, that, you know, uh, we have this one pastor. It's funny. He can't even say the A. We can't <laughs> the A almost like the A word, you yeah. know, kind of like cancer used to be the C word. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and my mom's like, just say it. Abortion. Abortion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it is what it is. And now I do want to say this. Yeah. Um, we have recently branched out to reach men. Mm. We had our first, back last spring, we had our first men's Bible study. So we have a couple male leaders. Wow. Um, and actually my dad was one of those um, uh, leaders of that group. And and we've realized, you know, abortion is not just a woman's issue. It's a man's issue too. Mm. Yeah. And for every woman, there's a father. Now, most men, I think, feel like, well, it was her body. So it was her choice. And oftentimes that that very, that was the case. But that man still has a child in heaven, mm-hmm. you know, and to bring this whole thing full circle for God to, to really get get um, the glory for the restoration that he's doing, you know, we need to recognize that. Yeah. He's, he's reconciled those babies. all things. Yeah. He's reconciled all things, including reconciled all things. the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really, That's really right. good. That's right. And, and men, and like I said, men don't know how to handle the women. And mm. so it was so liberating for these these men. A couple of the men were not post-aborted, but their wives were. Mm. They said, if I could just have, have known what she was going through. Mm. So even going through the Bible study, they said they wish they would have known because um, it she was going through so much emotionally and they just don't know how to support. Well, and they're going to be the target of a lot of that anger and that shame oh, yes. and that the insecurities yeah. and... Mm-hmm. Like all of our husbands, unfortunately, that's right. Get for no matter where you are spiritually, that's, yeah, that's uh, right. Okay, so if a woman is listening right now, mm-hmm. and she's never ever ever told anyone, it is so just her. Okay, she just knows. And mm-hmm. what would you say to encourage her? Oh wow, I would tell her that she's not alone, and um, while it may be the hardest thing she's ever done to tell her story, but to go to that close friend or just one person that, that she knows is safe and just have that courage to just to to get it out there. Mm. When you break that bond of secrecy, Mm. you are kicking Satan in the tail. Yeah. And, and that there, when you share your story, um, 
then it opens a door for God just to come in and to shed light. That is the first step. Find somebody to share. And if you don't want to go to somebody who knows you, um, IamRestored.net is our our website. I am restored. Past tense. Dot, yeah. Yes. I am restored.net. Okay. And our contact information is on there and we will, we will listen and, and maybe you want to read some more stories. We have, um, I think 10 or 12 testimonies on the website. And while every story is different, there is something that every post aborted woman can relate to some piece. You're going to, you're going to know there's somebody, either it's your neighbor, your family member, the soccer moms you stand by on the sidelines uh, with one in three women, one in three women have had an abortion. Everyone three. And by the time women are, so let's see, the statistic is 40, 45% of women of all childbearing age have had abortions. Wow. So there are friends, there are family, yeah. <laughs> you know, there are coworkers. Yeah. I mean, and, and just knowing how to talk about it. And we talk about that a lot when our, at our events is just, creating a, a language when we speak that isn't going to hurt somebody. Mm. So what you would know? you say? Like if you're, what, what was, what's the best way to speak? What language oh, would you wow. use? Well, I think, I think what well, as Christians, it's easy when we get so bold and um, feel so passionately about what the Bible says about life, mm. our pro-life stance can, we can say things that are pretty harsh and condemning. Yeah. And so we actually um, stay out of that a little bit. And really try to be that that um, middle ground that says, you know, no no woman who's faced with it, with that choice should I should I have this baby, or should I get myself out of some trouble, which is what I think I am. N- having that abortion wasn't the choice she wanted to make. Right. You know, it was a choice that she felt. It was the lies that the that the world said that were going to help get her out of that situation. So it wasn't a choice she wanted to make. So it's just, it's just having that compassion. So we tell people, you know, if you know of somebody or when you're talking about it, it's saying, prefacing it with comments like that. We know abortion is hard for, if you're faced in that, in that um, situation, um, you know, abortion, you may think abortion is the answer, but it's not. How about we want to be here to support you when you have that baby? We want to be your family yeah. for you. Let the church be the family. Yeah. You know, one in three Christian women having abortions, that's that's a problem. You know, we we go on speaking all about um abstinence and and we we've kind of hit kids hard, which is another whole area we can yeah. talk about, Heather. Yeah. We hit kids hard with that, saving yourself for marriage. What okay, so what about the child who does, who gets in trouble? Right. Um, what does the church say about that? Yeah. And so we haven't been loud enough to say Wait a minute. When you screw up, we're here for you. Yeah. God forgives you and we can help we can help you. And so that it's just having that being more compassionate with how we word things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and if if fifty million women, like you say, that that decision's already been made. Right. That, so mm-hmm. saying that you're taking a stance against something when the decision's already been made yeah. is pointless. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like condemning a choice that's already that's been made. Right. It's like, okay, well, Oh, great. Let's move on. That's right. We all agree. Mm-hmm. I don't feel mm-hmm. good about it. You don't feel good about it. Let's talk about yeah. like how we, how we can embrace the forgiveness. That's that right. All like I said, like all of us have received. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. Like oh yeah. Well, and think about all the healing. Like I I just think about the importance of community dealing with whatever junk we have as moms, wh- whether it is abortion or right. past or whatever it is. Not being whole people draws us to mm-hmm. make unhealthy decisions. 
That's all right. And whether the decision was to um, have sexual relations. I just use sexual relations. Like I said that. Um, That's good. (laughs) Intercourse, whatever it is, whatever we choose, like that choice was made out of a place of brokenness. Yeah, brokenness. That's right. And a searching, like, let's talk about like, there are women who are broken Mm-hmm. And men are, and then men who are preying on, or whatever. I mean, it's it's a situation with two people, but right. one of, there's brokenness involved, mm-hmm. and then there's a choice, and then there's a you know it's it's a yes. but let's go back to the, the the front end, the beginning where it started. So let's have like communities of people where you're where we're talking about what's the status of your soul now, <laughs> so That's we right. don't have to do mm-hmm. cleanup work later. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's, you said all that, whether it's you were raised in a home where your parents got a divorce yeah. or you had um, domestic violence. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it creates, that creates an environment in your soul yeah. that causes you to search for love. Yeah. You know, and search for things that are not going to truly fill what God wants to fill in you. Yeah. It's, it's a, oh, it's a bigger issue than, I think what God's lean, p- pressing into me lately is, is, there's a lot of stuff in this world that involves the flesh or whatever, or things that we see, yep. the physical. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. so much eternal going on in this at the soul level that I think as Christians, if we could just pray daily to have the mind of Christ and to interact with people and see their souls first. Mm, that's right. Not what they did with their body, not what they chose, not what, what happens, mm. whatever sin is interacting with them, but more like, where's their soul at? See their soul, ask them, like, questions mm-hmm. that go beyond what they're wearing mm-hmm. or like what they drink That's for right. coffee like coffee we talk about coffee we're talking about all these physical things what we ate mm-hmm. and and fight about you know abortion and uh, all these different issues oh, right. let's see the soul of people and and get there mm-hmm. and what you're doing is really soul work oh well thank you god gets the glory for sure it's, it yeah. is a ministry to, to souls that are longing mm-hmm. to be reunited with their father you know mm-hmm. as it is and, and that's what we say too that really restores about finding freedom as far as the ministry, restore ministry, it's about finding freedom. And because once the ladies have gone through the study, sure, yeah. they they it just opens um, Pandora's box to realizing that they need freedom in other areas too. Yeah, and like just like you mentioned, and yeah. so it's just um, kind kind of like a, a mental shift, realizing um, who does Jesus really say that I am? Mm-hmm. Am I believing who He says I am? Mm-hmm. And that would be some really good points for like the audience to ponder. You know, I think this about myself or, or maybe I got triggered by something and anxiety, you know, started to rise up in you, you know, your kids are going crazy and anxiety comes up. Okay. Well, what's the root of that? Yeah. You know, really? And I, I'm speaking from experience. That's one thing I struggle with daily. And I say, okay, you know, Holy Spirit, show me the root of this. Mm-hmm. What, what do I need to know that Jesus, how he feels about me? So I don't, have to feel this, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that that's, that's becoming more free. And that's how we're talking about it with our friends. You know, it's, it's I think it's, I think as moms, particularly, we could say, oh yeah, the evenings are hard. Okay. Well, we don't have, they don't have to I mean, they're still going to be hard, but we don't have to react emotionally, you know, and yeah. feel physically, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about that. Like peace. what, what emotions dictate your day? What do yes. you feel? Do you feel angry most of the day? You feel sad most of the day? You feel anxious do you worry what emotion and and when in your past have you felt that and what could be the cause of that what could be the cause yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. oh stacy awesome stuff right i think you right, should have yes. a conference because we need more conferences but wouldn't it be awesome <laughs> to be like a whole weekend where women could fly in from all over and like you could have like a session but then you could have small groups where people could really go deep and 
Oh, Heather, you're so good. Yeah, we, we actually want to call them like Freedom Weekend. Yes. We've actually, it's, it's been on our radar. Yeah. That would we, be so we, cool. We have, you know, a lot of music. <laughs> music. Got to have music. Got to have music to open the open it open up. The, you know, open the open heart. up our hearts, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, yes. And then we actually, um, you know, we do use the curriculum that, um, that, I'm, that we mentioned earlier, but we're actually writing our own because we've found that um, – we need to simplify also because, mm. uh, you know, for getting people to commit, you know, like I said, we, we have a hard time getting the women to, to join the studies and, and we are, we are all, I hate to use the word busy. I don't think it's in the Bible, but we're mm. busy. <laughs> you know, we have our schedules are booked. And so to go and, and say, okay, yeah, I want to go address this really difficult issue. That's not going to be any fun. Yeah. Who wants to do that? You know? Yeah. So trying to come up with creative ways to make, you know, let the Holy Spirit just move and, and, and finding ways to get this freedom in a little bit simpler way, actually, is what we're, we're trying to do. And so freedom weekends and oh, oh, maybe retreats and giving people a taste, a taste of it so yes. that they're willing to do the work. Yeah. yeah we're right. such a fast food society. We want to see results like right now. We do. And the slow work of restoration is not appealing. (laughs) The slow, hard work. That's right. Even though the end product, we don't realize how much better our days would go. That's right. How much better life is when we're at a place of restoration. Oh, amen. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's what I would say to the post-abortive woman listening. Yeah. While it's difficult and and it's going to be painful, Making that choice to, to, we call it a journey to wholeness. Mm-hmm. Making that choice to, to get on that journey to wholeness is something that you would wish you did a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You will never, ever, ever regret it. it. God will just do amazing things through it. Mm-hmm. And you just got to trust him. That's good. Yeah. I think anyone listening, post-abortive or otherwise, if you've sinned ever in your life. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> What do we know? All have. Yeah. I just was reading in 2 Corinthians where it said, um, our hearts are wide open to you, but yours are closed off. We're praying that you would be wide open. Mm, That's good. I I think that that's it. Like, let's stop the hiding Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. have our true hearts, our wounds and our failures be wide open to his healing. It's like laying there. I've said this on other episodes recently, but like laying there and letting the surgeon do his work. That's right. We can if we're like covering ourselves up or we're trying to be the surgeon or we're hiding a mess. I mean, it's not going to, you can't ever get better. So that's right. Find a friend, tell a friend, contact Stacy at I am restored.net. You got it. Awesome. Thank you, Stacy, for Uh sharing your story. Thank you, Heather. Brave getting in the ring. We appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Of course. Mm -hmm. Have a good day. Bye bye. I hope that someone listening that that um, encourages you to find someone, whatever your story, whatever shame that you are carrying, I pray over this that God will give you the courage to speak it out, to find that safe person that you can share your story with, to find that place where your soul can be healed, and to find freedom to hear God's voice and him speaking over you of who he says you are. And I've had that for myself recently, and it is so freeing (laughs) to hear his voice instead of all the lies that I had been believing. So um, I just wanted to get on here and thank you all again uh, for keeping the God Center Mom podcast in the top 20 again for another week. Um, I'm finding out that it's for subscriptions. So no matter how you listen to the podcast, if you want to support this podcast, keep it up in the top 20. There's not very many kids and family Christian um, 
podcast for moms. So uh, if you want to keep it up there, if you would just subscribe over at iTunes, you don't even have to listen to it through iTunes, but if you go there and you just hit the subscribe button, uh, that will help keep it up um, in the top category. And I also want to let you all know, next episode, I'm having... Sally Lloyd-Jones from the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it was a great interview. I cannot wait to share it with y'all. It's such great stuff. And then also I've recorded our first episode with the Every Mom, and I've decided on a name and what I'm going to call it. It's going to be called That's Me. It's So when you see in your podcast listing of episodes, the episode that says That's Me, uh, that's going to be our Every Mom and, and just her sharing what she's struggling through, what she's going through, and then maybe even a mentor to kind of chime in with some advice. A a mom that's gone before who has perspective, who says, that was me and this is what I've learned. And um, I just, I just, I'm kind of excited. I'm excited to interact with you all. You have been so good to send me emails about where you are, what God's doing, how he's using this podcast to transform your parenting and your journey. And I am overwhelmed and humbled by it. If If I'm not getting back to your emails fast enough, I'm so sorry. You can also find me more frequently over at Instagram. And uh, I have a Facebook page, too, that I interact with some. So uh, both are God Center Mom. If you want to interact there, that would be great to hear from you. So I pray freedom for you guys. I pray that you are walking uh, knowing who God says you are. and, And, oh, the kind of moms we can be when we are God-centered. All right. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink, as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family, and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.